630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Now the Ducks control here. And a dart down the center of the ice is on target to the net. A save, Koskinen, rebound, score, Raquel. Followed it up against Leon Dreisaitl and jammed it home. The Oilers had it and then they didn't. Up 1-0 late, Anaheim ties it with 16.2 seconds left in the third. And then that's Raquel's game winner just 14 seconds into overtime. And Anaheim beating the Oilers 2-1, Edmonton's record on the season, now 10-10-2. Hope you've had a great afternoon. It's 4.57 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, Oilers Hockey presented by Osman Auction. In four of the last eight meetings between the Oilers and Ducks, the Ducks have rallied late to force overtime. You all remember May 15th or uh, May 5th, 2017, the Oilers up 3 nothing in game five of their second round series. The Ducks scored three goals in the last 316, won the game 4 3 in double overtime, went on to win the series in seven. February 25th, the Ducks scored two goals in the last 21 seconds of the game to force overtime. Edmonton won with 6-5 in a shootout. And then March 25th, the Rogers place. The Ducks tied the game with a minute 29 to go and won 5-4 in overtime. And then today as well, Rob, that is a bit of an unusual pattern, a bit of a frightening pattern, perhaps, for the Oilers up against Anaheim. Well, it's it shows that there's a belief with the Ducks, that they're gonna come back in any game. Doesn't matter what what they do. They just want to stay close, stay close to the Oilers. They and then on the Oilers bench, there's that. Okay, let's well, let's look at the clock. Is it counting down fast enough? Because they've seen this story before, and uh, it's it's almost unbelievable that this continues to happen for the Oilers. I think tonight was a, a game that the Oilers had in hand, and and I know it's a new coaching staff or a new coach here. I, I think there may have been a a personnel uh, problem at the end of the uh, end of the game. I think uh, there there is better players suited to be on the ice, especially when you're six five. You want guys that can move laterally quicker, make quick decisions with the puck, so that the uh, when you have the opportunity to to make a play, you can get in the right spot quickly. Uh, and it was a tough one for the Oilers because this is a game they they should have won. I, I thought I told you I said the Oilers are going to score in this power play and they're going to win two nothing. And I was surprised that, it, I mean, wow, I can't believe Anaheim came back, but that's on me because I've seen this story many, many times. Uh, it, was a, it was a perfect game. I think both coaches will probably be happy with a lot of things that went on in this game. And Ken Hitchcock's going to be very disappointed in about 35 seconds of this game, the last 35. Well, you mentioned the, the personnel at the end of the game. The, the uh, McDavid line had been out, mm-hmm. and they changed with about a minute 30-ish minute 20-ish left, and Brodziak, Cassian, and Lucic came out on the ice, and they're ultimately on for the, for the winning goal. I wonder if he was still hoping to get one more line change injured. Then there were thought if there might be a whistle, maybe McDavid's line goes back out, or some combination, McDavid, Nuge, and somebody else. Well, well the problem again for the others is they're top-heavy. 
and, and you got the McDavid line that when you're, whenever they're out there, you feel completely comfortable. They're going to get the job done in the proper way. When they come off, now you look at your other three lines. You're not, your fourth line's not going out there. You're not putting Kara, Raddy, or Marodi out on the ice, and that leaves you two lines. The, the second line is with Nugent Hopkins, Chase on, and Spooner. I don't know if they've got trust in Spooner yet. Uh, his, uh, if you read his bio, he's smart offensively. He has defensive lapses. Those aren't the type of players you're going to play in the last minute. So you're not putting that line out with Spooner on it. And then the Brodziak line, Brodziak and Cassian, i got trust in them. I, I do. I think Brodziak, that's the type of thing you brought him in for. The, the one on that line is Milan Lucic. Uh, he just doesn't have... Uh, the the speed the lateral speed when you're when it's uh, you're shorthanded more or less six versus five and on that play there there Lucic came way down and took the spot of the centerman well that's not his spot and now all of a sudden Brodziak has to go out to his to to Lucic defenseman and then Lucic is slow coming off the boards so if you're going to put a second line out there you either go Brodziak Cassian and have Nuge on the wing or you go Nuge chase on and then you have either Brodziak or Cassian playing a wing with those guys. You're going to have to have a mismatch, and then you have the Dreisaitl, McDavid line to come back with afterwards. So there's two players that probably shouldn't play in the last minute, unfortunately, one of them was out there. So is, is that, do you think that's Hitchcock saying that Cassian isn't as experienced than, than as Lucic and Brodziak? Um, so do you think that's him saying though to that line as a whole, okay, guys, I've, I've put you together to be, you know, the heavy line or whatever you want to call it. You know, Lucic, you've you've been deep in the playoffs. I'm a new coach. I'm going to show that I'm I'm trusting you, and you're getting a clean mm-hmm. slate. Do you think that's what he's doing? Oh, I, I think he's doing that for sure. He's he's saying, all right, um, prove to me that you can do this. I'm giving you the opportunity. I mean, it's not a deep bench. It's not like Hitch has a number of players that he can put out there in that position, especially since you pulled off. McDavid's line just came off. The one thing, the one ace that you have is you have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who may be the best defensive player that the Oilers have up front. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're possibly your best defensive player up front isn't out on the ice. He was having a great game. He was, out, he was outstanding. He wasn't out the last two shifts of the third period, and it cost the Oilers. 2-1, Anaheim wins in overtime. We'll get to your phone calls pretty soon here, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. But let's go back to Honda Center, and here is the man who had the Oilers' only goal today, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. 2 nothing uh, in the first two periods, but, um, uh, I mean, they played solid defensively too, so it just, uh, just came down to the end there. Yeah. Ryan, how disappointing is that end? They played such a hard-fought game. Well, yeah, it's it's disappointing. Um, it's unfortunate. I mean, they scored two goals in the last 35 seconds of the game, or whatever it was. But um, I think we can just we can't be upset about this game, I and mean, we can be frustrated right now for a little bit. But I mean, uh, um, like you said, we played a hard, hard-fought 60 minutes, and um, didn't take a lot of positives out of it. And just unfortunately, didn't come up with that second point. It's so many chances in this game. Do you really feel it could have gone the other way just as easily? Yeah, I think I think we probably deserved a better fate tonight. I mean, it was uh, it was a hard it was a hard nosed game all night, zero uh, zero after two. But I think uh, after that second period, I thought we could have been up one or two. But um, their goalie played well, and they they did shut things down defensively pretty well too. So um, could have won either way, but uh, it's unfortunate that, like I said, didn't get that second point. Maybe just a comment on how Koskinen played tonight. He was unbelievable. I mean, uh, he made some massive saves when we needed him to and even uh, <clears throat> I still don't know exactly where he got hit with that puck but 
um, it obviously didn't feel good. So for him to just be able to come right back, and I think a couple minutes later, or even within the minute, he was making high-end saves. So I mean, he's a hard worker in there. He battles hard for us, and um, and it definitely makes you want to work hard and get him that win. This game you guys were playing tonight is this something that some of I mean under Hitchcock is, have you been learning different things, taking away different things? Um, well, I mean, just their styles. Obviously, every coach has their own style and um, a little bit different philosophies. Uh, but I think it's just kind of comes down to within the group here. Um, we've wanted to work hard the past. Uh, uh, work the other team the past couple nights, and uh, um, we've stayed in it and we've uh, gotten three points out of it. So I mean, we just got to keep that effort up and uh, make sure that we bring that against LA because uh, we know how good they can start at home. All right, so that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He gets his sixth goal of the season, came on the power play with 11.05 left in the third. Tight game, looked like that might be the only one scored this afternoon, but then the Ducks tie it at 19.43, win at Raquel, 14 seconds into overtime, 2-1 Anaheim is your final verdict. On the Nugent Hopkins goal, Rob, the Anaheim fans were... They were not nudging. They were booing. <laughs> uh, I didn't think that that he uh, fouled Cogliano, though. I thought he got... I mean, sure, his stick was up, but both their sticks were up in the in the other guy's midsection, and Nuge had body position. Yeah, I no, I, I agree. I think that RNH made a nice play defensively there. I mean, that one that was a tough one, too. Cogliano would be probably the, the, the fastest player on the Ducks. He's got a bit of a step on Nuge, uh, but Nuge played it properly. He got his body in the way. Uh, he put his stick over top of the stick of Cogliano's, and it e- eventually led to the goal because Cogliano was so tired sprinting for the puck, he barely made it back to the bench, and his man was the one that was supposed to be covering RNH, and RH jumped back up in the play and was wide open because Cogliano couldn't get back in the play. So great defensive play by RNH turned into a goal for RNH, which could have been, but unfortunately wasn't the game winner. Nuge was asked about Miko Koskinen, who makes 24 saves today on 26 shots. He'll take the overtime loss, so his record goes to 5-2-1 and one on the season. I thought another good game from him, if the Oilers had won, we're, we probably would have been talking about him a lot earlier in the show. Uh, pretty good again. I mean, he gets beat on the 6-on-5 goal and then a second chance rebound chance uh, on the breakaway by, by Raquel. You yeah, know, it, it's unfortunate. A bounce here, and it's a shutout for him. And he played well enough again, made a couple big saves when he had to. He wasn't tested a whole lot, uh, but gave the Oilers a chance to win on the road, gets them a point on the road. Now, I, if there wasn't a coaching change, I would expect fully that Koskinen would play next game. But the fact that Hitch is here and he hasn't seen Talbot play, you wonder if he's going to give Talbot an opportunity. And if you look at the schedule coming up, I mean, the Kings are, are the weakest team, one of the weakest in the National Hockey League. Do you give Talbot that game? But then you look on the other side, it's a game that you should win and you need to win. So do you go with your better goalie? And right now, Koskinen is their better goalie. 2-1 Anaheim in overtime. The Oilers go to 10-10-2 on the season. Anaheim 10-9-5. So they haven't been having a lot of success in the extra session, but they get the overtime winner today. And on that play, they, they made a quick line change. And then also, I mean, great pass by him on tour, first of all. I think you got to give him credit. But tell me uh, what Leon is going to look at and, and learn from that from next time. Well, it was a great play by the Ducks. You know, the, the pass by Montour, winning the faceoff, and Randy Carlisle realizing, you know, you're going against McDavid and, and Drysaddle, you don't play it normal. And he had a defensive posture out there if 
the Oilers win. Well, now we got our best defensive player, Silverberg, up there checking. But as soon as they won it, Silverberg goes right to the bench. And now that and you've talked, you and I have talked about it a lot. Puck possession is huge. Whatever team wins the opening faceoff, they usually control the puck for as long as they want. So as soon as they won the faceoff, they bring Raquel on, and that's a little tough for you know Leon Drysdale. He's with Silverwood, Silverberg. Also, Silverberg goes to the bench. Now he's got Raquel. He he got a. Now they didn't show up real good on TV for us, but he must have got a step behind Raquel. And Montour, I, I mean, the def- uh, Leon Dreisler is probably thinking there's no chance that he's going to be able to drill a pass 150 feet stick, stick, tape to tape, but he did. So Leon's on the wrong side of him to start with. So now he's in chase mode. He's chasing, he's trying to get his stick in the way so he doesn't allow a great shot, which he did. But the problem that Hitch is going to have with the whole play is Raquel stops. First puck is staved. Ra- Raquel stops, stays in the fight, gets his rebound. Leon Dreisaitl doesn't. He pushes away, trying to keep the shot to, to the outside or, or, or hamper the shot. And as soon as he did that, he turns away from the net. And when the goal is scored, he's standing behind the goal line about 10 feet from Koskinen. If he stands in front and there's a battle, Koskinen has a chance to cover the rebound. But because Leon Dreisaitl went behind the net, and he's not the only player that does this, but I can tell you, Ken Hitchcock hates this and that'll be a topic of conversation between Leon and Hitch and the adjustment of the game going forward for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors if it hurts see a chiropractor visit albertachiro.com the Oilers cannot hold a late lead lose 2-1 to the Ducks in overtime 780-496-0063 we have JT standing by hi JT go ahead hey gents thanks for taking my call appreciate it Uh, tough one tonight Uh, I hate those Ducks they got our number like a bad CRA scam those guys (laughs) <laughs> uh, but uh, two-part question here, gentlemen. Um, first one being, given Hitch's style and the way he coaches, where do you see Luch fitting into his lineup long-term? And what do you think tonight and his little uh, overtime blunder, where do you, where do you see that uh, hindering his confidence if, if it does? Do you think that has a, plays a factor there and that is a particular jab at his confidence? Sorry, for Luch or for, Le- for, for Leon in for, overtime? For Luch, for Luch. At yeah. the end of the game? Okay. Um... I see Leon, or excuse me, I see Luch as a third-line player for Hitch. I, I, I think that Hitch will try to relieve the pressure on him and just make him into a, a grinder. I think Milan is more in suited for that role nowadays in the new NHL. Uh, I don't know if it'll affect his confidence. I, I think that not having a goal in, what is it now, 19 games, 20 games, wherever he's at right now, I think that'll affect his confidence more than the, the, the blunder at the end. And... I don't know. It, it wasn't a huge blunder. It wasn't like he gave a puck away or uh, he did something that was great, real obvious. It was just he was in the wrong position. And I think uh, it's something that the coaching staff will talk to him about. But I think this one is more on he probably shouldn't have been put in that position to start with. All right. The Oilers lose 2-1 in overtime to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, we have Alex and Pat up next on the phone lines. You're also going to hear from Ken Hitchcock along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Austin Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Manson out to the point. Redirected by Enrique and another scrolling save made by Koskinen off the feed from Jacob Larson. There's your save of the game. Courtesy Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game. JiffyLoopService.ca. Miko Koskinen solid again. In overtime, he faces two shots. 
stops the first one from Raquel on a breakaway, but Raquel able to tap the rebound underneath Koskinen for the winner just 14 seconds into the extra frame uh, in terms of hockey time, 31 seconds after Anaheim tied it late in the third. So two goals in 31 seconds for the Ducks, and they upend the Edmonton Oilers 2-1 in OT. Nugent Hopkins had Edmonton's goal on the power play at 8.55 of the third. Hey, thanks for tuning in along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Hope you have a great weekend ahead of you. We're going to be back uh, Sunday night for an Oilers broadcast when they take on L.A. Of course, Grey Cup Festival in... Full, well, what are you, full party mode downtown, I guess. Uh, and we have uh, continuing coverage on 6.30 Shed, Rob. I'm going to do inside sports after overtime open line, so we'll have more football chat, Grey Cup chat on that show, along with uh, more on hockey. Uh, tomorrow, Halsey has his Grey Cup preview show from 2 to 4. And then they have Dave and Morley doing a Grey Cup show from 4 to 6, right from the Information Centre downtown. Now, the thing there with Halsey going first... He might not be done at four. <laughs> so David Morley. I didn't Dave, think Dave, that. I know you... Halsey's starting at two, and David Morley are done at six, but I'm not sure <laughs> if the handoff. When you said two to four, I'm like, is that enough time for Halsey? I've sat with him in the, the press box at hockey games. He needs more than two hours to get all his thoughts out. And he's, then a, he's been to a few great cups, I hear. Just a few. And then uh, more with David Morley on Sunday from two to four as well. So we got you covered here on 630 Chat. Okay, you can reach us at 780-496-0063. Alex is checking. In. Go ahead, Alex. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Doing great. Well, I'm not going to rant and rave because I've had 40 minutes to calm down. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't, tell you, I don't know why they didn't have the new John, too. Your most uh, dependable two-way player on there. And the only thing I can think about is maybe Hitchcock thought that that was the new checking line. He's got out there and uh, we'll give him a vote of confidence. But I, I think he's going to rethink that one. But uh, you know what I got a kick out of? Listening to Newton Hopkins' interview, eh? Like, he's always so smooth, eh? Never gets upset. Think, like you, I, I think I've heard him being interviewed maybe 50 times over the years and on the radio, and it's just like the guy does not get ruffled. Eh? He says, oh, yeah, it's a loss. You know, yeah, no problem. We'll be back tomorrow, and uh, I'll talk to you guys later. I'm going to go have a slice of pizza. I mean, the guy is just unflappable. I love the guy. Um, you know what? I, I hate to bring it up again, but this is the team we got. Uh, uh, three defensemen who on most teams would not be on their roster you have five guys who can't score up front. This is Sorelli's vision, and he severely restricted the potential of this team for this year, the next couple of years to come. And we're going to see his pink slip uh, at the end of the year. And I just want to say one thing. You're fired, Sorelli. All right, Alex, I'll pass that along next time I see him. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we've, we've talked a lot about the, 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 the lack of scoring mm-hmm. up front, so that's uh, certainly an issue. I, I mean, I think the defense are, are doing okay. I mean, sure, there's a couple guys playing higher than they, y- you'd like. I would yeah, say. but, I, I mean, I had no problem with the way the defense played tonight and have played as of late. Now, there's going to be blips. When They'd you, like another guy who could move the puck. They, they would, but, I mean, so would every team in the National Hockey League. I mean, that's that's something that everyone's looking for. Uh, the, the defense hasn't been the problem the last couple of games. It, they, they just need someone to put the puck in the net, and they're just not creating a lot up front outside of the McDavid line. All right, let's get the thoughts from the Oilers head coach. Here's Ken Hitchcock. Almost winning it one nothing. Can you get enough positive out of that, despite how it ended? Oh, I, yeah, I thought we really... From the eight-minute mark of the first period on, I thought we played really well. I mean, it was a man's game out there. It was really heavy and hard and a lot of board battles, and you needed uh, It was a heavy game, and I just thought 
you know, right until uh, the end there, we, we really played well. You know, the, the, the one part that's disappointing is we had a, a chance at one nothing. We had three chances to stretch it, and we didn't get it. We didn't get we had two empty nets there, and we didn't get those. But I, I thought we played a heck of a hockey game. I thought we played much better tonight than we did against uh, San Jose. Will we see more games like this out of a Ken Hitchcock coached Edmonton Oilers team than we used to see? Um, well, to me, it's the zero or the one. Uh, you know, he'd like to score four or five. And believe me, it's if you're not giving up much, you're usually getting a lot. And I thought I thought we got a lot of chances today. And that's a really good sign. You know, we're trying to we're trying to convince the players to play defense in the offensive zone. And I thought we didn't do it in the first eight minutes. We were a little bit on our heels. They, they came hard, but we really dialed it up and, and occupied the offensive zone, especially in the second period. So, you know, we, we want to be at one and two, uh, but we want to be three-plus every game if we can. You know, I thought both goalies were just outstanding today. Thank you. That Brozniak line, what did you like from them tonight? I know you, you, you oh, put they them were, together. Yeah. They were... They were, uh, it was unfortunate goal, but man, they were, they, they pinned guys in. And you know the best part about them is, you got three smart players there. One guy can pin the whole group in there in the forecheck, he's smart. You know, like they got three guys that know how to forecheck and and they don't need a bunch of piling in with two and three guys on a forecheck. One guy can get it stalled. And they were unbelievable in the third. They, they got four stalls in there where they, they, they hemmed them in one, and one guy did all the work. So to me, if they're going to play like that, we're going to be in good shape. Did, you, can you explain why you decided to put them on at the last last minute of uh, play? Not, not I, I needed an oldest dirt line, and they were the three oldest guys, so they get to play together. <laughs> I, I don't know. All right, there's Ken Hitchcock. So, I mean, pra- praising that line. So he, he thought they were having mm-hmm. a good game, so that's why he put them out there in in the final minute. So, no, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what Hitch is thinking. It's uh, what we talked about. He's giving he's giving them trust until they until they lose the trust, and and they have been better. I, I think that for for fans here at Edmonton have seen. Uh, things over and over over the last couple of years, so they've seen more than that Hitch has seen. But uh, and I've said this before, Hitch likes older players. He likes veteran players, and those are the guys that are going to play for him. It's been every team he's ever been on, and that's what he looks for. So when he looks at his bench, he's looking at the veterans, and that is a veteran line. And he gave them the opportunity. Unfortunately, they didn't get it done. Oilers lose 2-1 in overtime to the Ducks. Single point for the Oilers puts them at 10-10-2 and on the season. Obviously, two games in for uh, Ken Hitchcock as an Oilers coach, and he is 1-0-1. Whenever the Oilers get to five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer. Three locations, Japanese Village in Edmonton, Downtown, Southside, and Northside. 780-496-0063. We have Pat standing by. Hi, Pat. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Uh, I have to, I'm not in NHL coach material by any means, but I would have to fully agree with uh, Mr. Hitchcock's assessment of that third or fourth line or whatever he wants to call it. I thought it was the best line uh, today from, you know, whatever parts of the game that I did watch. I was actually hoping to watch... uh, the New Jersey Islander game and uh, watch old number four and number 14 go at it, but it didn't get the opportunity to do that. Anyway, um, I'm actually um, surprised that uh, Milan Lucic is actually skating. 
Right. Because he, he hasn't been skating all year, and once the coaching change happened, he's he's out there flying around like crazy, and it's good to see. But there's a couple couple guys uh, that I think uh, are going to find out the wrath of Ken Hitchcock here pretty quick, and one is number 29, and one is number 6. I don't know why... I don't know how Larson's got an A on his jersey. It, it, it just blows my mind. And, uh, you know, Leon Dreisaitl, you guys got a comment a couple weeks ago from a guy from Lloyd Minster. He was driving home, and I fully agreed with his comment. Um, he, he gets in the play, and if he's not playing with Connor McDavid, he's not skating. And if he's playing with Connor McDavid, he's passing the puck, and... He's watching what goes on, and I'm pretty sure Hitchcock is going to pick that up real quick. Yeah, well, I think uh, definitely Leon's uh, interest level sometimes goes up and down for sure. What What's your issue with Larson, Pat? I'm curious about that comment. I'll tell you, he has an A. Uh, I, I know from being around the team, he's he's quite well liked by his teammates just for his personality well, he, and his he, work he, ethic. He can be, hey, he can be the nicest guy on the planet, but if you, I mean. Darnell Nurse is playing way, way better than, than Larson. No, I disagree on that one. Well, I, mean, I, I think Lars, you Larson... You can disagree all you want. I mean, <laughs> I've been watching the Oilers since they came into the WHA in 1972. hmm Right? And when Wayne Gretzky got traded out of here, uh, they ripped his heart out and they ripped mine out. Right? I mean, I've watched this team with my heart on my sleeve. And when they got rid of Taylor okay, Hall, hold on, but that, that's nothing. That, that, that's cool, man. I'm just I, giving you a chance to tell me what you got, see in when Larson's they got game. Rid of Jordan Eberle and Taylor Hall, and they brought in Larson and and whoever and and the guy that's already gone. Right, Pat. Strong, but I'm not, I'm not arguing with you, and I'm not Pat. It's Pat, I'm not. I'm not trying to be snarky sure with you. I just want you to answer the specific question. What is it about Larson's game that you th- is think is deficient? Well, on the first goal tonight, he's lying on the ice in front of the net. Okay. The, okay, and when the, when the puck was turned over in their own zone, Lar- yeah. Larson, Larson, I don't care whether you like the trade for for Hall or not. It, it, I mean, that's regardless. I'll never like that. Okay, and there's a lot of people that don't, and I agree. The guy was the MVP of the league last year, but Larson, Absolutely. but Larson is a better defenseman than Darnell Nurse right now. Well, I I don't think so. Not, well, not as an all-around defense. As an all-around defense. Well, Darnell Nurse doesn't create points either. So it, you've right. got to look no, at them I defensively. Know that, but at least he gets in people's faces and he doesn't turn his... You know, when when, when somebody needs to get, have somebody put in their face, Darnell Nurse is the first guy on that defensive court that stands up and does okay. it. All right, Pat, he always we, has. Pat, i got to run. We appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for calling. All right. All right, Oilers lose 2-1 in overtime to the Anaheim Ducks. By the way, we're looking at someone to uh, finish the play as well, 780-496-0063, if you want to get your name into a grand prize draw. Quickly checking the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard with daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options. Head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. The Wild beat the Jets 4-2. Sabres get by the Canadians 3-2 in overtime. Islanders over the Devils 4-3 in overtime. Flames and Golden Knights are scoreless with seven minutes left in the second period. Blue Jackets lead the Leafs 1-0 in the first. Flyers shut out the Rangers 4-0 and the Capitals beat the Red Wings 3-1. More games coming up later tonight. Everybody in the NHL playing today except for uh, the Los Angeles Kings. They will play Vancouver tomorrow and then host the Oilers 
on Sunday. Matthew standing by. Hey, Matthew. Hi. Hello. So, um, I was just going to say that I think a play, it was a two-on-one with Cassian and Brodziak, and Brodziak missed a wide open net. I think that change the game and I think that would have put it away because they would have been up 2 nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. a great point. And H kind of alluded to that. There was that one and then Kara had one backdoor to a wide open net. That play that uh, Cassian made to Brodziak, that was an outstanding pass by Cassian. Yeah. He waited out the defense and waited out the goalie. Uh, Brodziak just got it off the tip of his stick but you're absolutely right. The, the Anaheim Ducks aren't coming back from two down. That puck goes in and it's two points for the Edmonton Oilers. Matthew, thanks for calling. Thank you. Good to hear from you. 780-496-0063. A couple people just texting in, why were the Ducks given a penalty for too many men when they hadn't yet touched the puck? I think because the guy got involved in the play, it's, right? Yeah, it's not just touching the puck. It's getting involved with, in the play. And the Oiler player had the puck. I'm not sure which one it had. And the Anaheim Duck attacked him with the player coming to the bench we so were still on the ice so you had an unfair advantage on the play and that's why the referee made the call it was the right call all right uh, and the Oilers wind up going one for two on the power play today Anaheim 0 for two but unfortunately uh, a late goal for the Ducks with their goalie on the bench and then they won it early in overtime Nugent Hopkins had the Edmonton goal today Jeff calling in 780-496-0063 hi Jeff hey I'm gonna make two comments one with the guy about Nurse and Larson. I would take Larson over Nurse any day of the week. He's far more consistent on just about every facet of the game. And my second kind of question point would be, how come the Oilers never seem to take any flyers or even look at some of the kind of offensive guys in the KHL. Like, you look at, I realize Florida owned his rights at the time, but a guy like Dadanoff who comes back and just puts, you know, almost, I think, team lead in scoring. Um, honestly, you know, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're right. Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, I know that they have looked at the KHL because they've picked up a couple well, goalies. Koskinen. And yeah. where, where was that... Um, What's the name? The goalie we had before, oh, Nielsen. Nielsen was there for a while. So they have gone to the KHL. I I have no idea, but you're right. There are some some uh, diamonds in the rough over there that you'd love to have and have the opportunity to see if they could uh, flourish like at this level. Not everyone's going to be a Panarin on a $900,000 contract when he comes in, but you see what the average is for these unproven guys. and They're usually not more than a couple million dollars for a guy that might put up 70 points, which is phenomenal yeah no that's that's a that's a fair point yep. for sure and other teams have found uh, some players looking over there sure thanks jeff appreciate it man all right that's jeff seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. if you are on hold we will get to you we got a break for the five thirty news uh quickly uh checking a couple of text messages this texter says, hey, boys, sure, the defense is not great, but you can't win one nothing very often in this league. Not burying grade-A chances late in the third is why the Oilers lost the second point. Can't hang this one on defense. Uh, this texter says, with all due respect to Pat Larson, maybe played one of his best games skating-wise and jumping up into the rush. And uh, a couple other people saying uh, that they like Larson's game so far this season. Hey, you don't have to see all the players the same way, but... 
you got to see the score the same way, unfortunately. It did not go the Oilers' way, even though it looked like it was going to. Anaheim wins 2-1 in overtime. All right, uh, we'll get to finish the play when we get back. More of your phone calls, 780-496-0063. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Friday, if you're just getting off work, thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning into the game on 6.30. Chad, Oilers lose a 1-0 lead in the final 17 seconds and fall to the Ducks 2-1 in overtime. So Edmonton's record now 10-10-2. They have just two wins in their last nine games. 780-496-0063. We're going to finish the play with Jason. Jason, you ready to rock and roll? I am. Here we go. That'll turn it over. Nugent gets a steal. Rich shot denied by Gibson against Chase on point blank. All right, chance for Alex Chason in the second period, right all alone in front. Was that on the power play, or was it shorthanded? Alex Chason in front of the net. Power play. Absolutely, buddy. So your name's going into the grand prize draw for a one-hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Karting, valued at $1,000. Fast Track Indoor Karting, safe adrenaline pumping fun, FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. Chason has become the net front guy on the first unit power play. Uh, and for a variety of reasons, uh, the first being his willingness to stand right in front of the goalie's eyes. He's very good at that. The second being he's a right-handed shot, so when the puck goes over to the Nugent Hopkins side, when he kicks out along the goal line, he gets it in a good spot to make a, a pass because he's right-handed. Uh, puck retrieval, he's very good at puck retrieval. He's got some quickness to him. He's got a long stick uh, to go on his long body, and he's able to get in and, and knock pucks to the right areas. So uh, he's been good, and he's earned the right to be there, and the play he's had since he's been on the top unit has been good enough to keep him there. All right, uh, quick text before we go back to the phones. Uh, this texter says, do the Oilers get rid of Talbot and find someone else? I don't, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think so. I, I, I love the run that Koskinen is on, and he has been very good, and he's certainly been the best goalie of the, the two for a while now. But again, this is still a small sample size, and you want to make sure before you make a, a change that he's capable of doing it, not for five or six or eight or ten games, He's got to be able to do it for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 games. So I'd say wait another 10, 15 games, and then I don't know what you do at that point. I guess you look where you are in the standings and what the interest level is if someone wants a Cam Talbot. And uh, this texter says, do you think it's a smart decision to get Pugliarvi right back into the fold and playing lots in Edmonton, knowing the possibility if it doesn't work out, you'd uh, be stuck with sending him back down? Well, if he's coming up, he's going to play. They're not going to bring him up to get five, six, seven minutes. They're desperate for someone to play in the top six. I mean, they were hoping Spooner would be the guy. He hasn't been yet. And right now, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, as he is the guy on the second line center, there's nothing, nothing being created. So they hope he comes up if he's going to get an opportunity, and then it's up to him to do something with it. Mo, 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Mo. Hey, gentlemen. Uh, appreciate you taking my call. Um, during the game tonight, they showed kind of an interesting stat on TV. They uh, showed that the lowest-scoring goal uh, teams for goals per game included, like, four teams for the Pacific Division, LA, yeah. uh, Anaheim, Arizona, and Golden Knights. And my question to you guys is, what do you think? I guess we're 1-1-1 and in the division, but with the Oilers being a middling, middle-of-the-road team in a division that's been weaker than it has been for years because these teams have been 
powerhouses, Anaheim and L.A. and, you know, the great season Vegas had last year. We're still a middle-of-the-road team. So what does this mean for us? And do you think this is, like, a management issue? Because um, Shirelli's uh, record is spotty, you know, positive trades in some areas and, you know, negatives like the Reinhardt trade. Or yeah, well, I think I think we've touched on that, Mo, that the, in my mind, anyway, a lot of this falls on Shirelli, that, that the roster isn't deep enough for sure. Yeah, absolutely. In terms well, of well, the div- in terms of the division, you're right, it's, it's not very strong. The Oilers are 500, and uh, they're in fourth. They have 22 points, same number of points as Vancouver. The Oilers get placed ahead of Vancouver because they've played fewer games. So to get third, despite the Oilers having a pretty uh, middling record, is is very possible if they can hang around, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's all going to come down to divisional play. And, you know, across Calgary, they're doing great. And I think we, ha- but I think we have a lot of opportunity to jump on our divisional rivals, but... I don't know. This roster seems shaky at best. You know, we're looking for people on the wings and, you know, some of the moves over the last year, like, in all honesty, I would take someone like a Tyler Pitlick over a Milan Lucic, someone who could put in at least like five to ten goals a year, as opposed to Lucic not doing anything. So I kind of am a little bit unimpressed with uh, Shirelli's management of the roster up until now. Thanks, Mo. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We will take a quick timeout. Scott's up next on the open line. Oilers lose two one to the Ducks in overtime. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chair. Appreciate you tuning in this afternoon. Ricard Raquel in overtime after Nick Ritchie tied it late after Ryan Nugent Hopkins got a power play goal halfway through the third. The Ducks beat the Oilers 2-1 in OT. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. We have Scott on line four. Go ahead, Scott. Hey, uh, just going to say this first off. I'm in West End and it's a gong show, so I apologize for the background noise, but I have a few things uh, to ask and say. Uh, regarding the Spooner and, you know, being a pre-Hitchcock trade move, I just feel that Strom, you know, personally would have potentially fit better in Ken's system. So why make that potential trade, you know, surely makes, makes that trade. Yep. No, prior. fair comment. It's a but, bit of a curious trade because you, you lose a center. So I wonder if they're going to look for somebody else. Bob referenced that on the uh, face-off show. If you look for a center who's cheaper than, than Strom was in terms of playing third or fourth line. We'll see. Okay. Okay, perfect. And then, and sorry, next question would just be, um, you know, with Hitchcock now being in the coaching role, uh, will he have more say uh, as the season progresses to potential changes with personnel on the team regarding the players, uh, trade deadline, et cetera? Okay. Um, All right, we'll and, get... Okay, quick, Scott. Sorry, and and last one would be uh, with Lucic. You know, obviously they have this identity line, but uh, in reality, you know, uh, we have the situation with Benoit in the past. Would you do you foresee a potential uh, buyout, or is that just too soon at this point? Okay, no, that's a good question. We'll get to that quickly after Chopper here. It's 5:44. Let's go to Mark Rogers and Global One. Still some pretty big delays on the southeast leg of the Anthony Hende. If you're traveling southwest bound, a collision before 34th Street could take the uh, white mud westbound as an alternate there. 
And we are seeing some pretty big delays in the west end. Reports of a stall on the West 10 Day southbound just after 100th Avenue. And then both 178 and 170th Street southbound will be slow for you as you make your way from 100th Avenue to 87th Avenue. Saturday's Lotto 649 Super Draw Jackpot is an estimated $17 million plus 50 guaranteed prizes of $50,000. Get that Lotto 649 feeling. Your next report in 10 minutes from the Global One Traffic Center. I'm Mark Rogers. All right, thanks a lot, Mark. Okay, Scott had a couple of questions we, we, we got to get to there. First of all, would Hitchcock have say, perhaps significant say, in, in player personnel going forward? I don't know if he'd have significant, but I would think that any team, the when a GM is making a move, they will consult with a coach because it's no good to make a move if you trade for someone and the coach doesn't want that player on his team or doesn't want to give him ice time. So I'm sure that Hitch will. Having said that, I, I, I think they've got to look long-term. Is Hitch the coach passed this year? So he, if you're going to bring in someone and Hitch has really, really likes this guy, he's got term on his contract, you got to think, well, is my coach going to be here for that term? And in terms of buying out Lucic, I mean, obviously they couldn't do it till after the, the, the season ends. I, I mean, again, I think you got to see how the season goes and hopes yeah. he plays better. But clearly, there are concerns about the length of the contract. Uh, Scott, Scott probably knows about this site, but if, if he doesn't, or people want to know about it, you can go to capfriendly.com, search for a player, and then cl- there's a button that simply says "buy out this contract." If you were to buy out Lucic after this season, you're paying him for eight years. Now, in the final four years of that, the cap hit is only $625,000 a year. That's basically be nothing. Mm-hmm. Cap's probably going to be up $85, $90 million by then. Uh, but for the years to come, you'd have a cap hit of 3.6, 5.6, 4.1, and 5.6. That's significant. To not have him on, on your roster. So it's... I mean, I wish I could say, Scott, what, what, I mean, it's tough we're even cons- considering a buyout, but but I think we're almost in the same situation you are last year. You have to hope he gets better. Well, gets, and he, gets better, and he may, he may never live up to that dollar value in terms of the offense he had in his first year here. Well, that's what it is. Well, it, what's what's his cap hit if he's here? Six million? Yes. So what you're doing is you're paying him practically the same amount to go away. Can you not find a, a role for him and keep him? Because at that much, you're paying them that much. You just, here you go, we're paying you this much to stay at home. I don't know if that's a thing. Plus, it also depends if Peter Shrelly's here or if someone else is here, well, too. Well, that's a good point, too. Who's making the call on yes. the player? Yeah, good point. Mike online too. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, guys. Uh, I just uh, wanted to comment on the tying goal. It's a coaching moment, I think. And I don't mean to pick on Lucic, but he's what I observed. Um, if you look at the replay, they're playing a man down, basically, with the goalie pulled. And on that pass from the corner back to the point, he's standing there with his stick in both hands parallel to the ice. Now, I think most players are taught to always have their stick on the ice unless they have the puck or they're playing, engaging someone in the body. And so, you know, I'm not saying that the pass doesn't happen if his stick's on the ice, but you never know. Maybe he gets a piece of it. Maybe the player thinks twice about making that pass, but just the basic fundamental thing that has to be going through their head in that moment. No, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, when you're in your own zone, you always have sticks on ice, sticks in lanes, and the coaches will always be telling you that. And a, 
biggest thing is if you can deflect a pass or B, you dissuade the, the, the player from making the pass because all of a sudden he sees a stick between him and where he wants it to go. Uh, we talked about it a lot. It, uh, Hitch, it had, when he talked about it after the game, he had faith in that line because of what he'd seen earlier in the game. Uh, a lot of the fans that are watching the game have seen too much disappointment in, in uh, and maybe Milan being out there at other times during the year. So there, our track record watching is probably different than Hitch's as he's only been here two games. But I agree. I think Ryan Nugent-Hopkins should have been on the ice. All right, 780-496-0063. You're also going to hear from Kyle Brodziak. Oh, man, if he would have put in that mm-hmm. open net 2-on-1 with Cassian with just over seven minutes left, we're probably not talking about a 2-1 Oilers overtime loss to the Ducks. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 10. In overtime, Ducks beat the Oilers 2-1 back to Honda Center. Here's Kyle Brodziak. Game didn't make mistakes. Uh, does it get ruined by the end or can you still enjoy that part? Uh, I mean, it does. It doesn't, obviously, it doesn't feel good. Uh, I think we felt like as a group, uh, you know, we didn't start that that great, but from about halfway through the first period, throughout the rest of the game, uh, we felt really good about everything. Uh, we played. It was there was not a whole lot of room out there. Um, it was a real tough game, and we stuck with it. And unfortunately, they get you know pull the goalie, get a six-on-five goal, uh, you know, shot from the point, and a, a bounce, bounce right on their tape. But uh, you know, a lot of good things. Uh, we keep playing like that. It's a really good sign. Is that a tight game, like as opposed to a loose game? Is that the kind of tight game that you guys need to play to win? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, not every game's going to be the same. Uh, there's going to be there's going to be times where it feels like there's uh, there's more ice out there, more room out there, and there's going to be games like tonight where um, really there was no room anywhere on the ice. Um, they played a they played a tight checking game. I thought we played a tight checking game, um, and really no neither team had much room out there. So uh, it was a good sign. We um, you know we obviously would have liked to, to close it in regulation, but sometimes those things happen when they pull the goalie and um, you know get a get a get a bounce. So thank you. All right, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Kyle Brodziak staying calm after this one. Disappointing loss for the Oilers. It looked like they were going to get two points and the Ducks zero. Instead, the Ducks get two and the Oilers just one. Also, the number of goals scored in this game as the Ducks take it. Speaking of bounces, what a dramatic play with about 14 and a half minutes left. Adam Henrique puts the shot through Koskinen off the goalpost. And on the goal line, Chris Russell pulled it off. And Louis DeBrus give him credit right from the beginning. He said no goal. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a break that you thought the Oilers were going to take full advantage of, especially when they score and get the one nothing lead. And the Ducks are thinking, you know what, we were that close. Uh, but they stuck with it. But, yeah, it was a, a huge play by Russell at the time. Uh, probably the only help that really Koskinen needed through the first, you know, 59 minutes. He was very, very good. And... Probable, I would think, to start against L.A. on Sunday. Our face-off trivia question, Scott got it right. He knew that Pop Ivy was the coach of the Edmonton Eskimos <laughs> when they won their first-ever Grey Cup in 1954. His name goes into the draw for a $1,000 prepaid Visa gift card courtesy of Alpine Credits, alpinecredits.ca. Next game, I mean, Cooper Marodi again, uh, under four minutes of ice time. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if Chris, Chris Weidman, does he possibly come in? for 
Benning, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I mean, here, Gravel, Gravel had a decent game. Yeah, here's the tough thing about Weidman and, and the defense right now. The, the defense had a good game. Uh, they did. I mean, you, you lose 2-1 in overtime. That means defensively you were pretty good. And and as Ken Hitchcock talked about it, after the eight-minute mark of the first period, the last 52 minutes, the Oilers were very good. They were giving nothing up. Uh, so it, it's hard to justify pulling a defenseman out. Having said that, you just trade it for a guy. And the one thing that you've been looking for is a right-handed defenseman with a little offensive pop. Weidman has that. So he's going to get an opportunity uh, soon. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to see which player Hitch feels is going to come out. As for Marotti, uh, Marotti, uh, he'll be out soon. Uh, Hitch, is, Hitch has no trust in him, obviously. He's averaging three minutes a night. Yeah, better he's playing for Bakersfield. So we'll see if there's a move coming along there. Okay. So I'm sticking around for Inside Sports. We'll have a little more on this game. Of course, a lot of great cup talk as well. Daryl Sador is scheduled to join us. Won the Stanley Cup with Hitchcock in 1999 with the Dallas Stars. Tomorrow, 2 o'clock, Halsey has his Grey Cup special. And then at 4 o'clock, Dave and Morley will have their Grey Cup preview all right here on 6.30 Chat. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy. Our studio producer, thanks to everybody who called in and texted it. Of course, you can keep reaching out during Inside Sports. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers lose an OT to the Ducks, 2-1. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.